0: Hey everyone, Ty Roxon here, and super excited as usual about today's episode. We talk about how to take courageous actions, how to choose to make massive changes for and in yourself. And we bonded over the fact that we've both usually walked away from professional careers that weren't serving us. And so we talk about how to, you know, basically find that meaning in your life, rediscover your brilliance, and set out to serve yourself in the world. He's a cool dude, up to some amazing things. He coaches, he speaks. He inspires, he writes. If you're someone who has a mission but not quite sure how to turn that into a movement, I think you're going to like this episode. Check it out. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Tommy Breedlove. I love his last name, Breedlove. Tommy is the founder of Choose Goodness, a company dedicated to helping executives and entrepreneurs focus beyond the financial bottom line. By empowering leaders, Tommy bridges the gap between humanity and profitability. He transforms organizations to attract and retain the best and brightest people, create a loyal customer base, promote goodwill within their communities, and Choose Goodness provides both the rational and emotional perspectives to the strategic and financial decision-making process. We're going to be talking a lot about his career, what he does with Choose Goodness, and uh, his book, From Pond to King.
1: Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Glad to be here. I'm super excited. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Well, the pleasure is mine. Where are you calling us from? I'm actually about 50 miles outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I actually live in downtown Atlanta, but uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a small cabin. For, I'm, I'm glad this is coming through nice and clear because I'm in the middle of nowhere, candidly. Ah. Uh, my, <laughs> my wife had surgery this week, and she's not allowed to be in, sur- <laughs> in in city air, which tells you a little bit about Atlanta's air quality. Wow. Um, so we- <laughs> So we're out at uh, out at a cabin, uh, getting stuff done, having wonderful conversations like this, and I'm I'm super excited about it, man.
0: I'm super excited too. Yeah. So from um, Atlanta to New York City. So tell us a little bit about your story. You know, I mean, you've got a fascinating background. Over 20 years serving companies as a CPA and financial consultant. So, what led you to choose goodness?
1: Oh, thanks for asking that, man. It, it's kind of the story of my life. So yes, I did spend about 20 years in large financial consulting firms. Uh, Mostly in the financial audit and the mergers and acquisition space, so I've been involved with over probably 120 transactions in my life. But the way Choose Goodness was born, um, Choose Goodness is really all about clear, conscious, and courageous decisions. And at 36 years old, I spent close to 20 years, I was a principal in a large firm in the Southeast United States, had the title, had the watch, had the car had all of the intangible stuff, intangible things. I mean, not t- intangible, but all the tangible things. And I looked around, and all I saw was a wake of destruction. And I was like, I was unhappy. I was unfulfilled. I was um, not living the my truth. I put too much priority in what everybody else in the world thought about, um, made decisions out of fear. And that manifests itself as the tough guy, the cool guy, the guy who turns the lights off last guy, the guy that everybody hates guy. You know, I was just that Viking attitude of, of kill them all and take no names. And at, at thirty, you know, and also during that time, Teo brother, I uh, I if there's a list of a hundred things not to do, man, I think I had checked off like ninety one of them. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? Enough is enough. And I woke up at either age thirty six or thirty seven after four days of absolute chaos and said no more. And so I went on this. I don't know if you call it hitting rock bottom or a spiritual awakening. For this purpose, we'll call it, hey, I had a spiritual awakening. (laughs) And I went on this uh, emotional, mental, physical, just, you know, uh, drinking from a fire hose and just trying to be a better human, a man to this earth. And that's how Choose Goodness was actually born. And so Choose Goodness, for me at first, was just about asking myself, have I chosen goodness for myself, my community, or someone close to me? And that has transpired into a movement of uh, individual mentoring and coaching and business consulting, Um, both to just help people really live a meaningful, fulfilled lives as entrepreneurs, as individuals, as executives. You can have balance. You can have meaning and significance in your life. You can be happy. And by the way, you can do all that without limiting your or, or it, with either protecting your financial success or obtaining financial success. So Choose Goodness is all about getting people to make conscious, clear, and courageous choices, man. And so that's really how that began, and that's my calling and passion in life. And I spend a lot of time working with that 35- to 65-year-old male executive entrepreneur who's made good money, who's just absolutely miserable and unfulfilled and doesn't feel like he stands or means anything. So I spend a lot of time helping people figure that out through, um, through those courageous and tough decisions sometimes to change their life.
0: Wow. Wow. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. So, well, then, can you uh, elaborate on using the power of choice to empower and monetize your goodness then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, goodness, you know, I used to, when I, when I first started this, I thought, you know, goodness, is the coolest thing about this thing right and then what i really discovered through this process is goodness means something to every if if you ask a million people you're going to get a million answers on what goodness actually means and we believe as long as goodness doesn't hurt uh yourself or someone else then go for it man it's it's what you mean or stand for in life but the power of choice it's it's really quite difficult you know how many decisions or choices do we make in our daily lives and from the simple simple choices of getting out of the bed and brushing our teeth to very complex choices that we make as humans significant others families and business right but we we tend to lean so much on what society thinks where we're from who we hang around what we read Um, We put really a lot of power and we make a lot of unconscious choices out of wanting to be loved or success uh, or accepted or feeling worthy or really caring about how we are perceived in the marketplace and what other people think as opposed to truly what we believe in because we're really, really super scared about, you know, if we walk into a room and say, here we are, will anybody actually even dig it? But what I found over this process, especially all the work that I've done over the last seven years on myself and others, that people are the happiest when they're transparent and they're living their truth. And they really minimize the judgments and criticisms and the the, what I call the bullshit of everybody else. So that's what I mean about the power of choice. But it's really super hard. And I represent probably 90 percent of the people I represent are male entrepreneurs. I I do work with some women. But it's really hard to take that, take that courageous choice to really change because we're still in that fraternity slash locker room mentality. And we don't want to be the one on the island, you know. And sometimes we have to change the people that surround us to actually make that courageous decision to better our lives, to find meaning, to be fulfilled, and to stop listening to the noise and living our truth, man. And so trust me, I've been there. <laughs> I, I, I live it every day, bro. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I was that guy. Let me tell you what happened to me, though. So, um, And this is related to back when I was in the, the financial consulting career. I was a junior partner at the time when I had this, quote, reckoning. And we'll just call it a collapse you know, to, because that was the truth. And I went and did all this internal self-work and hired all these coaches, consultants, uh, did all these cool programs and stuff like that. And as I went through that journey, the most amazing thing happened to me. And this happened from the age of probably 37 to 39. I went from junior partner to senior partner, to equity partner, to international practice leader, then elected to the board of directors in just three years, because I was just being who I wanted to be. I was living my truth. I was living a happy, fulfilled life with my value systems and that whole golden rule, right? And so and so, I was able, I thought by you know putting, if you look before that, I was just, living other people's truths and living out of fear and insecurity and and wearing all these masks and armor so nobody could see really me. And then when I just put it all out there, the financial success and abundance and my networks changed, my friends changed, my marriage went from crumbling to the best it's ever been. And we've been together now almost 23 years. So it's amazing when you actually change your perspective and come from and, and can make very clear conscious. And when I say conscious, you understand and they're in the present moment choices it's amazing what kind of abundance comes into your life, both financially and just from a from an emotional standpoint, too, man.
0: Wow. That is, that, no, that's incredible. The power of choice, how that can lead to different perspectives. Okay. So then let's talk about that on the organizational greatness side. How do you reconnect your passion to organizational greatness?
1: Well, most of the people I deal with, I don't deal in the public company market anymore. So it, it's a lot easier on my side of the fence. I don't deal with the Coca Colas, the Home Depots, the Amazons of the world anymore. I deal with usually privately held companies, and so the passion of those organizations usually is the passion of the founder or the founding family members. So it, it could be partners or family members or significant others or just you know buddies that started a company. So I'm in that you know that privately held space and. <clears throat> A lot of times what happens is as we start finding success as entrepreneurs or company owners is we get away from the thing that we really started that was so we were so passionate about or we were so good at. Usually when we start companies, we start them because we're really passionate about one thing or really good at one thing and the world really needs it. But as we grow, the thing happens is we get involved with operational stuff, financial stuff. Uh, customer stuff, we get really running in the business and forget why we started the business. So one of the things I do is we take deep dive audits of the employees, the executive staff, and the owners, and we we really figure out where we've gone off track, what we've done wrong, and what can we do better. And I really, really focus the executive team and the entrepreneurs to rediscover their brilliance and their God-given talents and only get them focusing there so we can be innovative. We can be thought leaders. We can run the business we want to become and be and not actually running the business. And so there's a deep dive audit to it, but it's helping people rediscover. And I do this on the personal level too, when I do individual mentoring and coaching It's getting people to really rediscover who they are um, and what they stand for, what they would fight for and what lights them up. So if you can combine those God-given talents with your passions Man, the sky is the limit on what you can do business-wise, and if you do that with all of your employees and put your square pegs and square holes and round round pegs and round holes, it's unbelievable what'll happen to a company. And what I have found from a profitability side, and I'm a financial guy, I hate talking about numbers though. Man, it's like oh, you and me both. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gay Hendricks, you know, there's a great book called The Big Leap. Um, my zone of excellence is helping people buy and sell companies and doing financial consulting. Oh. I freaking hate it. I hate it. It's a zone of excellence, it's not a zone of genius, man. Oh. But if you want to talk numbers, though, if your company actually stands for something and your customer base and your employees become your zealots because they 100% believe in what you do. Think about Apple. Apple doesn't have the best technology. It doesn't have the best. I mean, since Steve Jobs, it's kind of been coasting. But the, the fan base are just rabid zealots and love it. And on average, they pay between 40 to 60% more for a, quali- a product that's probably equal to Samsung or its other competitors. But they stood for something. Steve Jobs stood for something. It was all about thinking different. It was all about pick it up play with me. You're creative. Everybody should have a computer. And people bought into that. And became his zealots and so the, just from a, a financial standpoint if people believe in you and what your mission is they'll typically pay between 40 and 50 percent more and tell your story so imagine the marketing part of that so that was a really long-winded way of saying when i work with companies we we really help them rediscover their brilliance yeah. and find meaning as a as a as an executive team as an employee base and then that leads into their product innovation as well
0: yeah that's fast, that's fascinating you know why i what i love what you said was um we start companies because we're either passionate at something or we're really good at something. And my thing is, why not be both? Right? Yeah, totally. Why not That's be both? Too. And what you said, stand for something. Why not be both and stand for something? You do that, then you create that rabid fan base because you've created a community of something that is bigger than you and encompasses all of them. So,
1: totally, man. Totally. And I, I think it's a combination of, um, I think you said it, breast it's those three circles. I mean, Simon Sinek has done it and a lot of other people have done it. It's what you're passionate about, what your God-given talents is, and what fulfills you in life and who you're serving. And in the middle of that is your mission as a human, as a company. And I think Simon calls it your why in life. Yeah, and that, why. If you, can, if you can do those things, man, you, you'll you rock it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh oh, my goodness. So it, it's always, it's it's interesting for me when I hear people say what you said. Your zone of excellence is you know helping with those companies, but that's not your zone of genius. I got my MBA here in New York City at Fordham, and I, you know, I always, I've always run away from anything numbers and science. Uh, I never, it, it, throughout all my education system, I, I, I pulled the the ultimate uh, con job there by running away from all <laughs> those classes. Never took a chemistry <laughs> class or physics class. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I, and I was a good student, but I was always just better at the arts and the communication sides, and that's why I focused on those degrees. Now, when I was getting my MBA, I got a lot of people who were going to Deloitte to be consultants, who were going to be investment bankers. And I just remember, you know, my, that was what my mom and dad wanted for me. But I, I remember not mm. being able to do that. I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to figure out how to launch my media career with this and tell the stories I want to do. But- Get like, you, man. oh, no, 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 no. you can imagine it was a lot of downs though. I, I, that, oh, I know, but no, yeah.
1: criticism was unbelievable. Oh my know? goodness.
0: That's another, another <laughs> podcast, but where, where <laughs> trust me, it was not, not the easiest of things. So lots of failures, but, and then eventually, which failures lead to success. But what I learned though was a lot of people like what you said. These people will tell me that they're going to just do this financial job be miserable for three, four years, whatever, but they're going to make you know, $200,000, whatever. And then after maybe three four years, they'll quit and then go there. And I'm always wondering why, you know, what you said, why do people commit to doing stuff that maybe they can do well, but they hate? I, I'm just curious about that mindset. I've, um,
1: it's, a, it's a combination of a lot of things, man. And I'm about to get real and, and I hope I don't disappoint anybody. No, it's no. fear. It's fear. To start with, fear what other people think and usually fears around money. And so people think if they make less money that they're going to be discredited. We get a lot of our worth and our intimacy out of money, and we put too much power on it. If we think about it, and I'm a money guy, man. I, I came from that world. I spent 20 years in it. And it's intimate. It's how we as a as a Western society give ourselves worth. I mean, we wanna we wanna portray the the nice car, the nice watch, the beautiful people and aspire to be these wealthy individuals. And brother, let me be clear, man, from some of some of the guys who sat in a room with a lot of billionaires in his life and ultra high worth, a hundred millionaires. I mean, I that counts of those guys. That was my whole client base in my past and money will never get you there. It'll, it'll get you nice things and get you to go to nice places, but it will not ever fulfill you and make you happy. So I think it's a lot of things from every human being on war- earth has worthiness issues. We have insecurities. We have fears, and we want to be accepted by our peers and our family and our friends and society, right? I mean, it goes back to when we were hunters and gatherers, man. I mean, if you weren't accepted by the tribe and they kicked you out, you were dead. That's still in our DNA and our, our media and our noise and our social media and all that crap promotes all this stuff that's not even real, man. So I think the reason people do it, some people just dig it, man. If you're a financial dude and you like numbers and you like markets and you like M&A, man, go for it, brother. Rock out. You can make an unbelievable career. But if it's not your passion and you're chasing it because your family, you'll let your family down or you want the, the hot woman across the road. That ain't the right reasons, man. So if you love it, do it. But I think it's fear. I think it's insecurity. And it takes one to know one, man. The reason I can talk so um, plainly and confidence with this, dude, I was eat up with all that significant amount of cash, even up to the senior partner level. And let me tell you this, man, and I usually don't don't talk about this stuff. Um, when I decided to resign and sell my equity and, and resign my chair from the board, I received emails like this from my fellow board members. You're an idiot. You're going to make seven digits next year. I mean, they were throwing all these things out there. What are you doing? You're throwing your life away. You're throwing your career away. You're going to go live under a bridge. I mean, these are things that were being said to me. And I told them finally in the board meeting, I'm like, look, you don't have a number and you don't have a check because my soul and happiness is not for sale. And I was on – and this is after my quote – I'll call it rebirth. I don't know what to call it, man. (laughs) But I literally – it was more important to me to live my truth. To help other human beings on worth find their truth, find their meaning, find their happiness. And there's a lot of different tools. Get over their worthiness issues, get over their insecurities, and just kick ass in life, man. To really become a master of yourself and your thoughts. That's what I do for a living. And those guys didn't have a check. So that's a really long winded way of saying, man, I think people get into those careers either A, because they're passionate about it and they're good at it, and you can make a great career at it. But you're gonna work your you're gonna work yourself to death. Trust me, I know. But if you're not passionate about it, you don't dig it, and if you think you're going to get out in three years, that's nonsense. It's not the, the truth. carrot. The carrot in the game get bigger and bigger, and it's never going to be enough, man. Yeah. Say you make $200,000. Then you're going to look at the guy that makes half a million. Then you're going to look at the guy who makes uh, uh, $1.2 million, then $100 million, and then $150 million. Trust me. I've seen it. I've been there. I've sat in the rooms. I've sat in the room with billionaires who were the loneliest people I've ever met in my life, man. And so – but there are some – I'm not saying that's everybody. I'm saying it's the people, and I was around hundreds of them for 20 years. It's, it, there's no meaning. You're going to look back with the regrets, and if, you're a, if you are a billionaire who's living your truth and, and loving life and doing your thing, i.e. Richard Branson, he's, he's going to look back on with no regrets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Oh, Yeah. I did it my way. I might be guilty about some of the, the crazy shit I did, but I'm not going to have regrets. That's yeah. the guy you want to emulate. Not the not the Steve Jobs of the world who had everything at his tips, and he was on his deathbed with a bazillion personal regrets, and that's why right. he told Walter Isaacson to write his book. So, fine, right. really fascinating.
0: No, I, and thank you so much for being that that uh, honest and vulnerable. And and the reason why I share story stories because, like you, I, I I respect every I respect everyone that I meet like you that loves or I guess knows how to do finances because I was just that was not my thing, but. I w- I'm something that I study though is that mindset. And I've met, you know, people who have that zone of genius, zone of talent, and they make the money. They're like the Richard Bransons. But I've also met way too many people that didn't have enough um, of a, a str- enough, uh, enough of a foundation that was built on strong values that they lost themselves the more they gained a lot of these material things. In, You're talking well, to
1: one of them, man. I can't yeah. relate. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and, and, and that's why well, I was so excited when, when we, we, I, I found I was talking to you because with your company, Choose Goodness, and the book that we're going to talk about soon, Pond the King, my, my, I'm in the business of building the next set of global leaders. And I want us to make sure that we don't continue a cycle of telling narratives that only paint success as monetary value. It's great to have the money, money and all that, but what can you, how can you feel... How happy can you feel if you have all the money in the world and you still feel alone, right? How how totally. can you feel if you don't connect and make an impact? And so hopefully with your project and that's uh choosegoodness.com, right?
1: Yeah, it's choosegoodnessnow.com oh, it's as as and now. or tommybreedlove.com. Okay. Either one of those places you can find me. They're both there. The, Choose- the Tommy Breedlove is more the, the, the executive and individual coaching and public speaking, and Choose Goodness is a much bigger and broader movement about the power of choice. So awesome. it's, it's really one and the same. I'm just a subsect of a bigger movement.
0: That's, that's, that, you know, I love that you, you've you become something that's uh, bigger than you, and you're building a movement. So choosegoodnessnow.com. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Let's uh, go into the um, this this. Common statement, it's not personal, it's just business. Why is that false to you?
1: I think it's, it's absolutely garbage because wherever you go, there you are. And so whether we're business leaders or individuals, every, everything in life that relates to you is personal. And so when you're talking about your business life, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you're the, the CEO or the janitor, it's how you make your money. It's how you find you spend a majority of your time. It's about something that hopefully fulfills you. If not, that's even a bigger issue. But I've set in some I'm still on um, three or four company boards, um, paid board positions and a lot of not for profit boards. And still to this day, I spend so much time um, helping these folks they they're like, well, this is just business. We need to make a business decision. This is not personal. Well, that's 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 impossible because it doesn't matter what the decision is if it's affecting human beings whether it's and sometimes we have to make very hard choices and as long as we're doing from a place of transparency honesty and we're also, you know, we're we're also involved in the decisions and are affected by them it's okay. Think about our politicians. They make all these decisions that are quote best for humanity. And they're always exempt from all of them. (laughs) Salaries, health care, you name it. They don't have to. They don't have to. And we have no trust in them. Same with religions. Right. And so to say it's just business, it's not personal. It's completely nonsense. And I hear it time and time and time again. And we get so caught up in quarterly earnings and profitability and our own greed and our own, you know, trying to find our self-worth we make decisions as leaders that affect so many lives that we don't have to make that if we could turn around and make tougher decisions to invest in our people or to invest in innovation and R and D and maybe us as leaders, I'm I'm saying us. um, And we take that, that really tough decision. It's going to pay dividends to us both financially and in happiness 20 fold. But this whole Viking tough guy, gal, um, i gotta wear this mask important can 't show weakness I know more than you i 'm the leader i 've got this i 'm this oak and i 'm gonna lead you to the promised land and by the way i 'm gonna cut your salary and cut twenty percent of my workforce but i 'm gonna give myself a thirty percent raise and that 's a little bit of a soapbox. It can be even simpler than that, but to say something's not personal i don 't know if you 've ever been fired oh i've, I've been i've been it personal? fired twice i've fired yeah <laughs> yes. Yes, it was very personal, and it's scary. Oh, and, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and and even in that situation, think about this, and I, I've worked with some bigger companies lately, and we have to make tough decisions to save the organization, and there were some people that just needed to go, and it would have been better for them and the company in the long run anyway. But there's a way to transition people. There's a way to help them through that transition. There's a way to find them employment or the next stage of their life and be a mentor and a colleague, and someone that they can lean on. And if even when you let them go, if you can do that and personalize it, because we can say it's not personal, but we are emotionally driven, need to be loved, seen, and heard people, and people will remember how you treat them. And if you just cut their throats a time and time and time again, and there's some major corporations in, a, in the America that's doing that, and they're getting killed right now because of it, yeah. it, it always catches up with you, man. So to say something's not personal, Candidly, it's nonsense. It's, it's complete nonsense. And I could go – I could literally talk for the next four hours on examples about that. But that's what I mean by it's not personal. It's nonsense. Yeah. Everything is personal.
0: Dude, I, Everything could talk, is- I could talk to you forever, man. This is, this is, this is amazing. And you're dropping so, so much uh, knowledge bombs here. But um, okay. No, so ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're talking to Tommy Breedlove of ChooseGoodnessNow.com. He's also got a book called Pond to King. Why did you decide to write a book now?
1: Oh, man. Great question. Here's why I decided to write a book. A, because you, you kind of turned it into introspective. I was like, why would people really want to care what I have to say? You know, it's that whole fear, not good enough, you know, sharp, and am I a fraud? I mean, who really, who really cares about some washed up, you know, financial partner? Um, but after about the 20th person said, dude, you need to write a book dude, you need to write a book. Well, we're in the process of writing the book, and it's almost finished. And Pawn to King is a story it, it you know, and, and I'll tell you a little bit more about my personal journey. I came from humble, blue-collar beginnings. I was the first person to graduate school from my family. Um, but when I was 18 years old, I got in a significant amount of trouble. I hurt somebody that I really cared about very badly, and I was looking at two felonies in, the, in, in a significant amount of time in jail. Oh wow. And by um, some being scared to death, some mentors from a from a former gang member to a sheriff taking me under their wing. You know, uh, you know, spent my 19th birthday in jail. Uh, luckily, it was it was dropped to a couple of misdemeanors. But because of that, scared straight, and then I you know I was that kid who went from jail to Deloitte in three years. But what I didn't deal with was all of the stuff. You know, we all got our own stories, right? And I'm a big fan of let's not live our lives, let's live our, you know, let's not live our stories, let's live our lives. But unfortunately, I never dealt with the, my emotional, mental, and other state. You know, I was dealt, I was living in fear, I was living in insecurities, I was I felt unworthy. You could have paid me a hundred million dollars, I, I would have still felt like I was the only one in the room and like an oddball, and that's the truth. And so Paul De King's that that's a little bit about my personal story. You heard about my 36-year-old story earlier. But Paul DeKing King is like so many of us, um, and I'll say us, especially in the big corporate world. And I used to represent large corporations, both private and public held, represented a lot of entrepreneurs who were successful, a lot of guys in banking, financial institutions, investment banking, insurance accounting, blah, 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 all that stuff. The, the problem is, as we get caught up in this world, we think we're kings. You know, We're at the private clubs. We're driving the good cars. We've got the watches. We're in the ivory towers. We're the guys that say ye, guys and gal, ye who turns the light out laughs win. But we think we're kings, but we're really pawns in a bigger game. Because we're going to look up, and it happened at me at 36, and some of the guys that I represent are 65, 66, 67 years old, who think they're kings. They've got it all. The world literally kisses their asses but they're unfulfilled, they've lost meaning, they've lost significance in their life, and they really don't know who they are, what they stand for. And they surrounded themselves by guys and gals just like them. So from pawn to kings, about it's about tactics, it's about strategies, it's stories of all these people who think they're kings, but they're really pawns, including myself. You know, It takes one to know one. But it's tools and tips to how to become, and, and what they really don't really understand is that they're pawns. It's how how do we become true kings in our life? How do we truly do it our ways and our value systems and our loves, our passions, our happiness, and our goodness? And how do we not give up our financial lives but also find meaning and balance? And what does true success mean? And so it's all about the story and journey of a lot of different folks, a lot of it to myself, and how to overcome that with tools, tactics, and strategies. Wow, sign me up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Oh. The only thing holding it up is is my perfectionism. And so I just need to let that go because you and I both know that there is no such thing as perfectionism and it's that whole insecurity thing <laughs> showing itself back up. You know, yeah. I got to just own it, brother. I got to own it. <laughs> and so it'll be, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be out sooner than later. We hope our first quarter 2018, man, but it is, it is in process. Um, I have a ghostwriter myself and so I do a lot of talking. He does a lot of writing, so it'll be out very, very soon.
0: Wow. Yeah. No. And yeah, I'll definitely make sure this time around that time. Um, and for those listening in 2018, Happy New Year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, but no, I, I love stories like that because, um, you know, it, it's it's just raw. It's honest. Uh, you know, it's a depiction. It's a more accurate depiction of what many people's lives are. You know, a lot of times we in Instagram, we tend to show a filtered version. Um, an, an article on Forbes or entrepreneur might show a filtered version, just a, you know, um, it do like zero to 60 real quick. Uh, but a lot of the details that we miss out in these stories, the, the building blocks, the character building years are actually what lays the foundation. And as men, you and I, a lot of times we live in a world that defines masculinity as those things you said, as the, totally. the Wall Street, um, what's that movie? Uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh,
1: um, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, the Wolf of, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, dude. That guy could have been my brother back when I was 36, man. <laughs> See? It was like, exactly, yeah, brother from another mother, man. And you saw where it ended him up, ended him up in prison, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. but yeah, I mean, and, and you know, as as I as I think about my generation, I, I'm 28 um, now, and you know, I'm looking at the world, there's no, no one's listening to anyone, everybody has, um. They, they've almost forgotten the idea of being themselves because everybody in the world is defining them for them and they just fall into that narrative. So I want us to get to a place where we are affirming our values. We do what we're passionate about and what we're good at. And we're not afraid to be vulnerable. You know, so-
1: Talk to me, man. Love Talk that. to me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. And God. one of my favorite authors, and and uh, I can't okay. – when I meet this woman, I'll probably just break down crying and hug her, is Brene Brown. Oh. oh, I just love that woman. Me I mean, too. I, I love her and the vulnerability and, the, and how vulnerability and fear and shame dictate our lives. And it starts a childhood, man. And she just breaks it down and rocks it. So I'm totally with you. And if we can just follow hers and other folks' examples, and, and that's why I'm out here doing my gig as well, we'll be a whole lot better world, man.
0: I think so. And I salute you for doing that. Choosegoodisnow.com is the hub. Uh, and um, you can also go to tummybreedlove.com. Everything redirects the same place. His book is called From Pond to King. When this comes out, the book will be out. So make sure I put all that in the show notes. But before I let you go, Tommy, I, um, there's something I always do at the end of my podcast. I, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. You know, I, I'm, I'm on a mission to build, uh, and develop the next set of global leaders, at least one billion of them. And I like to ask my guests.
1: Sweet. Ah, yeah. It's, it's, it's there. It's the goal. Oh, well, heck <laughs> yeah. That, that's not a goal. You'll do it, man. I'm, 100% you'll do it.
0: 100%. But I'm very curious in you though. How do you use your difference to make a difference?
1: Um, I'm giving away my life experiences, my business experiences, my personal tragedies, collapses, and triumphs. My, my whole mission in the world is help people to achieve meaning in life, participate in their own rescue, and become masters of their own destiny. And so you can write the ending of your story. Whatever your story is and wherever it is right now, we can write the ending of it of how you want it to end together. I have lived it. I've been there. I've overcome, you know, from loss of dignity to shame to personal collapse to tragedies to self-imposed mistakes to mistakes that were done to me. Um, I've got a business background. And my, my gift to the world is giving whatever I have a way to make them happy, achieve meaning in life, and to be better than they were yesterday. So my, my favorite saying of all, and I learned this from a river rafting guide, is participate in your own rescue. Because there's no magic pill that's going to save you, and there's no white horse and no thing. So participate in your own rescue, invest in yourself, and get someone like me a Brene Brown, you, my friend, or anyone else to help you along this journey and just go out there and be the best person you can be, man.
0: Oh, wow. 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 Participate in your own rescue. That is exactly how Mr. Tommy Bridlove is using his difference to make a difference.
1: I want to thank it's you so much. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you, man. What a, what an honor, brother. And keep being who you are and doing what you do, man.
0: Thank you, man. Thank you. And um, ladies and gentlemen, till.